everybody! Welcome to No Story is Sacred. If you've never listened before, basically we're four siblings who grew up talking about the art of storytelling. Now that we're adults, we're still talking about it and inviting you to join the conversation. I'm Pippin, and I'm just a duck. I'm Alex, and... <coughs> uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I seem to have, have come down with the case of the evils. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, that damn Plottington's disease. <laughs> and I'm Brendan, and while the writer may be dead, he can still be a dick. <laughs> so true. Uh, and and Cat unfortunately got kidnapped by ravens, which really <laughs> which sounds very much like her. <laughs> yeah, sounds on brand. Yeah. yeah. Also dark. Today we're talking about the 2002 anime Princess Tutu. So spoilers abound. If you want specific content warnings about things we may talk about, check out the show notes on nostoriesacred.com. Though, fair warning, we will probably talk about abuse and abusive relationships. Yeah. And dance fights. And dance fights. <laughs> they died in that freak gasoline fight. <laughs> uh, <laughs> died in a freak crow kidnapping incident. <laughs> uh... So, for those of you who've never seen Princess Tutu, the summary according to Google is literally just Princess Tutu searches for the pieces of her beloved's heart. That's it. 26 episodes, that's all she does. It's the least wrong summary according to Google-ish. True. Only for the first half. Yeah, that's true. No, no, technically she's searching for all through uh, the second half, too, because she doesn't find them. Well. All until the end. It's just in the second half, more crap happens. <laughs> she gets distracted for a little bit. <laughs> just a bit. So let, let, let's delve into, I guess, first of all, why we decided to do this series uh, in particular. As, as you guys know, uh, it is now November, which is NaNoWriMo. Uh, I'll pester you guys later for how your books are coming. I'm going to let you know right now it's not. Fair enough. Oh, uh, <laughs> this is why Kat actually didn't come. She didn't want us bugging her about it. Figures. The ravens were just a ruse. <laughs> ravens and their ruses. See, that's the thing, you know. Poe was on to something. The writing desk, the raven. Yeah. Fuck you, said the raven. <laughs> but anyway, aside from the major thing you get, like when you first watch this show is like, a lot of dancing, ballet, that kind of stuff, you know, good for artistic choices. But a thing that plays majorly into this story is just like a meta story going on. Cause you literally have an author of some prior story as a antagonist, really, right? Mm. Oh, he's a writer of the current story. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. <laughs> so it gets complicated we'll get to it <laughs> so yeah princess tutu is pretty much a, a great uh anime about uh writing and storytelling all hidden in the magical veneer of a magical girl anime yeah and fairy tales and all that jazz <laughs> and dancing <laughs> dancing yeah every time i i look at uh Jossamayer, who is the author of this, the story that all the characters are in. I, I remember the thing mom would say, which is being a writer is about many things, but being kind to your characters isn't one of them. 
True. <laughs> I forgot that she said that. Yeah. Yeah, though she takes, though Darth Maul takes it to an extreme. I could see some authors having a similar mindset. Like, you can't tell me that, like, George R. R. Martin goes in and is like, ooh, how can I play with these characters today? <laughs> and the series also does that thing where, you know, you're writing and suddenly the characters get a mind of their goddamn own. <laughs> you're like, excuse you, you are my puppets uh, to do with as I will. And the characters are all like, but what if I wasn't? <laughs> and also, what if fuck you? <laughs> also, if the name Emma Drossmeyer or has included you in, uh, the story also uses ballet a very, uh, heavily. Yeah. Drossmeyer being the name of the uncle in Swan Lake who does something with the toy soldier. I believe make him and give the gift. Yeah. Um, My point is he's a character in Swan Lake. And a lot of Swan Lake music plays throughout the, uh, the series. It's true. Uh, a lot of ballet motifs in general. At one point, there's like Night and Bald Mountain, and I'm like, holy shit, what the fuck? <laughs> That's not what I expected to be playing over the romantic need. Ah, uh, yes, and all the characters wear combinations of tights and tutus. Good times. Alright, so, this anime. Yeah. We should probably actually say what happens. I guess we've been kind of just talking about like meta story and stuff like that. <sighs> yeah. So what Alex wrote in uh, our, our our notes uh, is a backstory. Writers are not to be trusted. True. Which fair. Yeah. Uh, and then for Act One, he wrote Duck meets boy. Boy is prince. Duck becomes girl. Girl becomes princess. Princess helps prince regain heart. Other people are involved too. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, some of that was me. <laughs> Act so- Two. Yes. Well, so let's let's delve into that before okay. you know All dancing right. on. Yeah. So the first half of the series does follow kind of your standard magical girl formula, where it's like every single episode there's a piece of heart, you know, which is basically just an encapsulated emotion of the prince character uh, who shattered his heart in order to seal the evil raven, like you do. That's how I got rid of my rat problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, we don't talk about the Rat King, Al. Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, in each of the episodes in the first half, you have, like, the prince's feeling of loneliness is being held on to somebody in town. Princess Tutu comes in, dances with them, and that piece of the prince's heart, in this case, loneliness, goes back to the original, uh, goes back to the prince. And, and throughout all of this, the prince's whose name's Muto. Uh, his best friend, sort of in quotes, uh, is trying to stop Princess Tutu because he believes that uh, the prince regaining his heart is not what's best for him. So we, we, you should probably uh, explain that uh, the character is that, that the prin- Princess Tutu most, spends most of her time as your average everyday a girl who sucks at ballet but, uh, is actually also a duck. She is, in reality, you know, her true self is a duck. Quack, quack quack, and if he sa- <laughs> and if he is, does something duck like, she turns into a duck. <laughs> and uh, one is a duck, one is happy. <laughs> quack quack <laughs> quack quack. Uh, Ooh, dunklings! And- <laughs> <laughs> yes. So all she wants to do really is uh, dance with Yuto and and return the shattered pieces of his heart because not having your heart and not having emotions is sad. 
And she loves him. She loves him. Which is unfortunate because she also happens to have a curse where if she ever tells him, she'll turn into a speck of light. Ooh. And apparently in the the narrative of the story, the the story of the prince and Princess Tutu uh, and the knight and the other princess exists. Muto is the prince from that story. Uh, out of the book. And in that story, she, Princess Tutu exists for like two lines where she does say, I love you. Uh, and she does just disappear into, uh, light. And everyone's all like, wow, it sucks to be Princess Tutu. Glad I'm not her. <laughs> <laughs> Glad I'm not that minor character. <laughs> and Princess Tutu's all like, well, someone's gotta fucking do it. But yeah, so there's also Muto's best friend whose name is Fakir. He's the knight. He is an asshole for the first part of the series. He gets better. He gets better, but it was bad. He goes from asshole to just kind of a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Baby steps. (laughs) But he kind of pushes Muto around and bosses him around and it is... Controlling and abusive. Yes. Yes. Uh, He does get better when he realizes that you know, it actually isn't in Muto's best interest to keep his emotions from him. Because he thought, he actually did thought that that, that that was what was best for him. Well, because even while not having a heart, Muto kept on doing stuff like heroically sacrificing himself for somebody else. Like, it was practically like a daily occurrence. Yeah, Muto had a bad habit of like running into burning buildings to save a bird. Yep. Because as a prince, he couldn't stand by and let other innocents suffer. And that was like the one thing he remembered from being a prince. Uh, so fuck your, he, he over-adjusted. She has to be it. Uh, and then there's Muto's girlfriend, Rue, who is also aware that he doesn't have a heart. Uh, but it's not team, uh, well, he says he loves me, so I'm fine with it. <laughs> That's good for me. Hey. <laughs> and it turns out she has a dark secret. <gasps> she. It's the raven's daughter. Dun, dun, dun. She is Princess Grahy, the goth princess. Hashtag better princess. What? I mean, spoilers for the hunt. Turns out I'm evil. Guess I've got to be evil now. I, uh, that's how it, it says so right here. Says so, so in the script. <laughs> Excuse me while I pirouette teleport. Whoosh. Uh, and basically one thing leads to another. Fakir and Duck... You know, sort of joins sides while Krehe slash Rue sort of leans into the evil. She uh, dips the shard of love into Raven's blood and it corrupts it. And so when it goes back into Muto, uh, it corrupts him. He goes evil for a little bit, tries to steal the hearts of young girls, like you do, uh, to sacrifice to the Raven. And then Rue realizes, or Krehe, or whatever the fuck she is, uh, realizes uh, that actually she doesn't like any of this at all and finds out she was in fact kidnapped by the raven so she isn't even his daughter so now she just doesn't have a family womp womp uh, Fakir <laughs> realizes that he's a shit poor uh, knight but he's an okay writer well not just okay writer because it turns out in this universe if you're a writer I guess with a capital W you can write stuff that turns out to become real. He's got these magic hands. He's got these magic. evil hand issues. Um, 
My hand wants to write interesting plot. No! <laughs> uh, and we find out that this power may or may not have killed his parents when he was young, just adding to his own dark bad boy backstory. Angst. Angst, 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 angst. And through all this, pr- Princess Tutu continues to Princess Tutu, uh, while Muto turns into a raven monster. <laughs> the la- <laughs> Again, like you do. The I second mean, half of the series gets wild. It's weird. It's like the second act of Into the Woods. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And anyway, the big climactic thing happens. The town starts getting destroyed. Princess Tutu has to lose her form because the last piece of heart is her pendant that allows her to transform into Princess Tutu. The prince is returned to normal. Rue is uh, in danger. Uh, duck, as an actual duck, uh, with the help of Fakir, who's writing the story, brings hope back to the land, saving the town. Uh, and the prince goes off with Rue, who he has chosen as his princess. Meanwhile, the original author, Drosselmeyer, is quite annoyed because he wanted a tragedy, damn it. And then the characters went and had the mind of their own. Any writer can relate to this. Yeah. <laughs> My characters are far too plucky. What happened? Damn their eyes. <laughs> and I want to point out before I forget... Uh, another weird writing metaphor that happens through this is on occasion when dad does writing lectures, uh, he talks about plot and stuff, uh, and he'll talk about the borders around a story. Oh, yeah. uh, so, so not the Barnes and Noble? Ha. Wow. You know what? You get to explain that joke to dad. <laughs> not the joke behind it, but why you said it. Why would you hurt something that's dead for 10 years? <laughs> Leave him alone! He's already dead! <laughs> anyway. anyway. The, the borders around the story. <laughs> and he'll use example of, like, uh, a model house or something. The story is there. You can see it. It might have hidden things inside of it. But it also has a a, a border on it. The, the thing it rests on uh, will have a border. Or a chess game has the border around the board. The board. <laughs> Whatever. And the story exists inside those borders, but not outside of it. And the characters don't realize that the border is there. But they also never think to leave it. This is their world. This is all that exists of their world. Uh, and the idea of crossing over just uh, does not occur. And, and it's a well done thing in the, in the, in the anime is that like people who enter the town are like kind of somewhat puzzled that they don't quite remember that uh, that you know their, their uh, friends and family they were anthropomorphic animals but no they must have always been was mom always a elephant i think so yeah uh, she must have been it'd be weird otherwise pippin yeah but yeah so people show up in the town which is completely walled off and the doors don't open for reasons of plot and you know if anything outside of the borders was mentioned everyone's all like what uh and then they move it back into within the border and i'm like oh that's i thought that was really clever because yeah stories have borders yeah. uh they're just not usually acknowledged <laughs> like that like, sometimes the border is as big as you know a galaxy yeah if you're writing sci-fi yeah yeah uh and at, at the end of princess tutu the border does get destroyed ah <sighs> uh, uh, so, so at, at, i just want to acknowledge that at the very very end the prince goes off with rue and they're happily ever after in the story but Fakir promised to be by Duck's side for the rest of forever. Uh, so the last shot of them is Fakir riding on a dock while fishing and, and Duck as a, as a duck is swimming in the lake. You married with a the duck. With the implication, 
With the implication, I think that he's going to try to write a story that brings her back. Of course he is, because it's also established in the finale that, like, there, there's, like, a challenge that they're trying to overcome in that, like, the forces of trying to make this story a tragedy are far too great, and the raven's gonna win, or uh, the prince is gonna stab himself in the heart, but uh, Fakir is trying to, you know, help Duck not die, and then also Muto as well, and I think they basically established, it was like, it was like a one-line establishment thing, but uh, they find that while he can't write against the story happening with the prince and the raven, turns out he can write about Duck. And and what he's writing about with Duck is about hope. Mm. Yeah. And Drossamaller is very upset. He's like, hope? What the fuck? <laughs> I'm not trying to do feel-good shit. <laughs> I like Grimdark. <gasps> and Fakir's like, well, that's a valid genre. Huh? I'm doing solar punk. Woo! <laughs> Hope punk motherfucker. Yee. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> so that I feel is Princess Tutu. <laughs> Side note, uh, at the last reader con I was at, like, they were talking about, uh, like, uh, at a panel, or well, one of the, uh, panelists, like, mentioned, like, how solar punk keeps on getting removed from the, uh, punk genre of uh, wiki, even though sandal punk is still there, which is just. Sandal? Again, what the fuck is sandal punk? Uh, I believe it's Roman and, uh, stories. Because sandals. Hmm. Uh, Might as well be walking on the sun. Which is what I assume solar punk is. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, solar punk is just basically the opposite of grim dark pep. Yeah. I thought that was hope punk. It's another another way of saying it. Yeah. Oh, cool. Basically, it's just like bright and optimistic future. Yeah, that's what I'm all about. And punk because it goes against something. Yeah. And I'm going to go on record and saying grim dark is a the genre it's just that in the past few years it got overused i have enough just living in our grim dark reality i'm okay with reading some solar punk yeah let me like princess tutu believe in hope in the world yeah and the thing is like it's not like you can't have like i would say grim antagonists but like you can have like bad guys and stuff like that it's just yeah. Imagine if, like, you're writing a sci-fi story and your main character is an anime protagonist. <laughs> we'll win through hope, you guys. Hope and friendship. What kind of lame-ass power is heart? The best power, motherfucker. <laughs> and that's when an entire army of elephants crosses over the hillside, and that's when you see that's where the heart ring's been used. <laughs> Good times. So, uh, I think we've talked, uh, at length about, uh, Princess Tutu there. Again, there's not much to the story itself. It's more talking about the, the meta story, I feel, is, uh, is like the more interesting thing. Though, let's, uh, briefly do a foray into, uh, transformative works. <laughs> Cause. Okay. Cause I'm, we gotta bring up the AMV. Uh, derivative work. Der- yeah, that that's my mind. Der- transformative just derivative work. Either way works. Yeah. Uh, okay. Because, Pip, I believe we were introduced to Princess Tutu through the, that uh, AMV. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, uh, back in the bad old days of 2002, I don't remember. It was a wild time. I'd come back from Otakon and be like, hey guys, check out this list of AMVs. AMVs meaning anime music videos for you crazy kids at home who might not know what those are anymore. Like how I'm gonna do a thousand yard stare. Be right back. How we we watch it? 
on this new website called the YouTube. <laughs> Wait, when was YouTube? Uh, early 2000s, but 2002, maybe even a little bit beforehand, but that's when it started getting popular. When we look at when that, that particular AMV was uploaded, it was 13 years ago. Sure. Don't dwell on it, Pep. Don't dwell on it. I dwell on everything. YouTube was founded in 2005. Okay. And what year? Shrug. And what year is it now? 2019. But 2019. My point is Princess Tutu came out in 2002. So it wasn't uploaded to YouTube. It was like on amv.org or something. Yeah, originally. But then well, that- YouTube took over. I guess we can get back to the point. Uh, and, uh, like Princess Tutu has a bit of a pace. Like, uh, it's a decided pace, but the AMV, they, uh, transformed it into, like, a very, uh, fast-paced and condensed the story, uh, in a way that, uh, got you to understand what that's about. Well, the major things, like, some of the details are completely lost, like, suddenly Fakir going from knight to writer, I thought, I thought was a little... I mean, doesn't every writer fancy themselves a knight? Ooh. Burn on writers! You know what you did. <laughs> they did. They did. Everybody's all like, I can pick up a sword. How hard can it be? Yeah. And it gets to the point of, uh, things like fan works and all that. That's, that's why I don't really mind fan works at all. Like, I think some writers get a little bit, uh, prickly about it. But like, end of the day, if it increases fan engagement, yay. Yeah. Yeah. Hold me now. That video is a great little hey. Watch Princess Tutu. It's an aesthetic. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's that great Gravity Falls video to Counting Stars. It's a great sort of like, hey, watch Gravity Falls. It's an aesthetic. Uh, and just all those, it's, it's amazing the things that will get people to watch a show. <laughs> I read a Shit's Creek fanfic and then I was like, oh, I should watch this show. <laughs> and did you regret it, Pip? I did not. I watched it like yep. five times. <laughs> Patrick and David are in love, you guys. It's a queer relationship and no one's dead. Huzzah! Excelsior. Or even in danger. It's so great. They fight for like one episode. In danger of too many kisses. (laughs) (laughs) One time they kiss like three times in one scene. I'm like, I didn't even know gay characters could do that on TV. That's not the point. We're talking about Princess Tutu. Yeah. There are no queer characters in Princess Tutu. I would say Duck has like a crush on everybody. It's true. true and oh that's how the duck and the prince are the same they love everybody yeah Aww. and the cat wants to marry everybody oh god uh, uh no uh no one of my the duck does have like a, a fascination with with rue I, I i do a little bit of ship duck and rue i mean who doesn't that's pretty great and it, it does let's continue the trend that duck is a disaster bisexual ah she is Anyway, I think it's time to uh, delve into story change land. Dibs. Oh. All right, go for it. So, so okay, first off, make it queer, more people of color, duh. That, that's your blanket response for everything now, so we can just get past that. <laughs> sure, though I reserve my right to... Emphasize. To, to go back to that well, because it'll never run dry. But in this particular case, you mentioned the cat. Yep. I hate Neko-sensei. So much. The cat is their ballet instructor, incidentally, for others who might be curious. Sure, because this makes sense. I think he might be the first anthropomorphized animal character we see in the series. I believe so, aside from Duck herself. Aside from Duck herself. 
And as the series goes on, we get more and more anthropomorphized uh, animals. The thing about uh, Neko-sensei, Mr. Teacher, Mr. Cat, the teacher, whatever, um, is, you know, sometimes he dispenses great advice that make the characters realize things that he didn't mean for them to realize because he has no clue what's going on in their lives. He has no clue that one of them is a magical girl. But he is obsessed with marriage and specifically marrying one of his students. And I don't know if there's a reason for it. Uh, if it's harkening back to some bit of folklore that I don't know. If Japan has weird ideas about cats that I don't know. Either way, it's creepy. Uh, it doesn't add anything. Yeah. And I wish he would stop. The quickest explanation I can think of is like just the tomcat stereotype, I guess. But even then, I feel like it has a different connotation than what they were showing. True. Everything else about Mr. Cat can stay. You know, harsh teachers, sometimes good, good advice, whatever. But his go-to threat for students misbehave, for girl students misbehaving should not be, you will have to marry me. It's creepy. And not in a, you know, grim dark way. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it felt like they were trying to go for a running joke and eventually it's just like, yeah, marry him. Yeah. Mm. I don't think it's a a common magical girl anime thing. Uh, no. It's just it's just weird. It's just weird. Get rid of that weird thing. Yeah, it's a simple change, but gosh darn it, it's the one I desperately want. I mean, it could have just been something as simple as you know having to do a balance exercise or something as punishment, and it sucks or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what would you have him do instead of the marry me? Maybe you have to go outside the wall. Oof. Like, like this, and you just see it as like wild unknowns, and then any kid that comes back is slightly different. Kids just don't come back. Oh. Uh, so, like, you never actually throw, I guess nobody actually gets forced to marry him, so nobody actually gets thrown outside the wall, so it's like exactly. always like an existential threat. Yeah. I can throw you outside the wall. I'm a cat. I can do that. <laughs> Meow, motherfucker. <laughs> Maybe just as an extra little bit for the cat there, just. At some point, you see that he has, like, a rapier on the wall. It's like, ah, he was puss in boots. Oh, man, I would have loved that. It, it wouldn't even need to be directly called out. It's just, ah, it's there on the wall. Huh. I'm an eagle-eyed viewer. I feel validated with my obsessions. He's already a cat in shoes. <laughs> he traded in his boots for ballet slippers. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how hard it would be for a cat to go on point. I mean, they're... Aren't they already on point? I mean, not really. I don't think their toenails, I don't think their claws would uh, <laughs> allow for that, Pip. Yeah, well, to be fair, our toenails don't really allow for that, but we do it anyway. Ha-cha-cha-cha-cha. Oh, man, ballet's a fucked up dance. It kind of is. Uh, speaking of, Al. Yeah? What you got? Um, my thing. My thing. I'm gonna fucking set it in space. Space, space, space. Because, you know... Cool, what changes? So, in space, no one can hear you ballet. Uh, <laughs> mainly be, that's because I want to see more uh, fairy tale stuff uh, in, in a science fiction setting. And it wouldn't really add anything to the plot, but it wouldn't really take anything away. I mean, you can really enforce the uh, border a bit by having uh, the place be a, uh, like a, a space station and with a uh, terrarium-like environment. 
and or no snow globe like one of the, the ones that you wind up and there's a ballet a dancer inside ah, uh yeah and you know it's always fun to transform the uh tights into space outfits and all that right. yeah so instead of leotards it's space suits madman yeah i mean in the kind of like like uh voltron spacesuits like oh so like the yeah, form type form-fitting like leotard yeah, yeah okay yeah. so i guess my question to you is this uh is ballet still a thing for this treatment or is it just taking it and putting it in space ballet is still a thing as i uh you know as i okay. mentioned with the uh space suits like uh, that the, they're they're now serving a dual purpose purpose okay so so what happens well the so I'm just trying to think of what what else what like what what kind of ripples from taking it and putting it into a space station instead. Uh, well, there are added risks because uh, mm-hmm. like a calamity of ravens could you know make the space station you know kind of break and then you're all in space. See, you, you say a calamity of ravens, and I just think meteorites bombarding the station. But you know, even better. Yeah, that's one both. Fair enough. Oh, and also uh, hey. Also, Myers, you know, little uh, auto writer, uh, automatic writing machine becomes a uh, station AI. Yeah, yep. I was just about to say, if, if you hadn't, I would have put that forward. Drossel Myers Shodan, don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, any thoughts, Pip? Go on. Tell me you hate it. No, 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 no. I'm, We're not here for negativity, man. No, that's not what I'm about, man. <laughs> I'm just trying to come up with a joke like Mars Lake or something. Except that, that that's not a good joke. Uh, here's a joke. Space mistakes. Wow. I watch SNL. Hmm. Okay. So is it me? It's your turn. I believe it's you. Okay. So I'm going to go out into left field here and maybe annoy you two a little bit. How dare. So my approach here is, uh, what if... Uh, Netflix came to me and said, hey, Brendan, we'll hand you a bag of money if you can find a way to adapt this series on our channel. I mean, you take the money. Well, it's a big bag of money, Pip. And remember, I always supported you. You always did. <laughs> yeah, this is formal line. <laughs> so the thing I would want to avoid is outright calling it <laughs> Princess Tutu because... Lord knows that just never works, uh, trying to do like an American adaptation of stuff like that. So I might take a controversial spin here and change it to a, uh, basically like a non-ballet setting. Cause what I want to keep is the storytelling aspect. Like I want to dig into that hard and not really focus on, like, the ballet school or the dancing with me or anything like that. I just like the characters in a story doing their darndest to fight against the author's original intents. And I think that's something that you could probably draw on pretty well. And it wouldn't even need to be done in, like, a fantasy setting. It could be done modern day. And, you know, like, you still have, like, Muto and Rue being these characters that were in a former story that had happened, you know, could have been a myth or fable or something. That's a story that could have been told in universe in modern day, but like, they're just here, but they're just people. 
And as we go through the story, we find out about their backstory. We find out, you know, that writing stuff for certain people out there actually has like extra power. And then there's like the plot that kicks off from there or goes into high gear from there. Uh-huh. That's my thinking. All right. But, but side note, I do like when Princess Tutu asks people to dance with her because I feel like she would dance with me and she wouldn't judge me for how bad I dancer I am. She just tell me that I did really good and that my emotions are good and healthy uh, and that I should love myself. Well, that's fair. Yeah. I mean, we can still keep a lot of that aspect. It's just I don't want to, like, step on the original's toes while I'm at it. Yeah, they're ballet dancers. There's already so much going on with their toes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. No, that's just my my thinking here is basically you do an adaptation – Without having it be an adapt- adaptation. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, what do you do when uh, an athlete, John Cho, gets injured? Uh, cry. Oh. Feel bad. I'd still have my bag of money, so I'd console myself with that. True. I mean, they're holding production for him, so. Yeah. Yeah. Even though it's early enough that they could have recast if they wanted to. And oh, that's the other thing is that I'd still probably have, like, you know, the self-sacrificing hero character who has, like, no memories of his past self and strangely has no emotions either. And over the course of, you know, these adventures, he gets to be more and more regular. Eats it out of fiber? <laughs> yes, Pep. Well, we're also going to be sponsored by Wheaties, so, uh, yeah. That bag of money's got to come from somewhere, Pippin. yeah. Yeah, so uh, you guys have any thoughts on that? I think it should be... I'm assuming it's a live-action thing. Yeah. In uh, this case, that's what I'm em- envisioning. Well, clearly it should be multiracial. I'm not sure how you're going to handle well, anthropomorphized yeah. animals. Oh, that's that might be another thing sacrificed for the sake of... How dare. dare you? This is taking some of the base elements of the story and adapting it to a different medium. I feel that at a certain point, it's... How far can you adapt it before it becomes something completely different? Well, mm, I'd have to think about that. I mean, we could keep the... It'd be kind of weird to just have, like, modern day and there's these anthropomorphized people around. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, in the world of the show, it should be weird. But because of the story that's being written around them, uh, they don't think it is. The people who come into the, the town, they're like, wait, is that normal? And then immediately after goes, of course it's normal. Oh, it's always oh. been normal. And here's the thing. Uh, the border, it's the fact that there is no public transit connecting the uh, borough they're in or whatever to uh, the rest of the city at large. So it's it's like, oh, yeah, it's super difficult to go uh, go anywhere else. But, you know, we have all the stuff we need here. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like nobody really dwells on the fact that, like, nobody's been to – like Coney Island at all. The road out of town is always closed and no one questions how people keep getting in. Yes. Yes. Actually, it could be a town. Yeah. The roads are closed. Weird. Where are we getting the food? Uh, weird. Or, could, uh, or they could treat it with a, uh, like, uh, the Truman show. Mm, like, true. Uh, whenever you try to uh, leave, it's just like, oh no, we're hold, we're hold up for some reason. Huh. And that's the thing. Authors are a, force in this story that's that's the takeaway yeah so any other thoughts no no okay so i think that means it's time to play a game i think it is pippin i think it's game time all right so i have an idea you guys let's do uh 
the evil overlord was here because that is the game in which we just add in a random trope into the story. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the, the, the story could always use more, right? Oh yeah. Always. And forever. So, uh, I, I can kick us off if you want. Sure. So I'm, I'm going to my, uh, my wheelhouse here and just going back to TV tropes, doing a random trope. And the first one that comes up is sibling rivalry. Hmm. Yeah. So, uh, which character suddenly has a sibling? Huh. Uh. I almost imagine Fakir would have a sibling. I mean, he had a sister-like person. A person he it's thought true. of as his sister. And then she got Raven. It's true. What if Rue had a sibling? Aww. Rue had a sibling. What if it turned out that Fakir and Rue were her siblings? <laughs> I could see it. I could see it. They both have dark hair. They both clearly care about... Muto in their own weird ways. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and if we want to incorporate that, we has have an episode in which we discovered that they are long lost siblings and then they, uh, vie for ducks affections. What? What? Wow. Not necessarily, but whoa. We can have them bicker about who can do higher jumps and twirl things. Yeah. All right, so so that's that's my sibling rivalry. I feel kind of like that's a little bit boring. <laughs> well, uh, Pip, save me. Well, I also went to TV tropes, and the first thing I got was self-parody, which I'm not sure if I can make it work. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of yeah. I mean, in a traditional magical girl anime, I can see like you know that episode of Avatar: The Last Airbender where they watch the play. That's basically their story. Yeah. I can see something like that happening. Well, that'd be fun. Not necessarily in this show. Ah, uh, true. True, true, true. Though, the fact that Drosselmari didn't have... There's a bit in the show where he takes her outside the fourth wall, basically. Uh, not even outside the fourth wall, into into his little pocket universe where he's been watching everything. And there are a lot of gears, because why not? <laughs> like, I'm surprised that of all the marionette things he had, that he didn't have them look like... Her and her friends. Mm. Ooh. And they'd just be playing with them. Yeah. Which isn't quite what this thing is talking about, I think. But also, fuck you, I do what I want. Fair enough. And yeah, I could totally see an author playing around with, you know, artificial versions of the characters that he has. Be like, aha, <laughs> you are my puppets. If you're being good characters, you'd be doing this right now. <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Yeah. I can see it. I'll allow it. This time, Pippin. But Thank next you. time, it's your badge. <laughs> How dare you? You can't fire me. I quit. <gasps> no. Uh. Anyway, that's me, Al. Yep. So when I went to TV Tropes, and I got the Underworld. Ooh. What the hell, man? You get the best one. Yep. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I can kind of see it. Uh, I can kind of see the uh Fakir doing playing an Orpheus. Oh. Yeah. No! Sorry, Pep. It's a sad song. For the listeners, before we started recording, we were actually talking about uh, the story of uh, Orpheus and... Eurydice. Yeah. It's a sad song from way down below. Yep. Anyways, uh, now I, I can kind of see the uh, fuck here, because now that he's a writer, he's going to be extra as hell. And what's the most extra thing you can do to get that your... Uh, Girlfriend, her body back? Go to the underworld. Man, remember that time he turned into a tree? 
<laughs> By the way, that happened in the series. We forgot to mention it. It was weird. I mean, it was just for a little bit. He got better. Most writers turn into trees at some point in their career. Yeah. If you haven't yet, you've got that to look forward to. Yay! Zemnis turns into a boat. <laughs> uh, yeah. Fuck her, we totally go into the under. I mean, to be fair, he did follow her into the lake of despair. Oh uh, yeah. Oh fuck it. And so it was already ha- already happened. <laughs> well, he didn't fuck that up like uh, Orpheus did. God damn it, Orpheus! You had one job. You had one one fucking job. Well, this one little peak doesn't hurt. Orpheus. Oh, but poor Orpheus. He had a sucky time in the end. Well, to be fair, the boundaries of hell weren't clearly defined. He saw the light at the end of the tunnel and figured, yeah, he was fine. You know what that is? Hubris. And not paying proper attention to directions. Now you want to go to the end of the tunnel. If you take a turn before that, you're gonna get lost. (laughs) There's Hermes on the sideline going, you can't get that from here. (laughs) <laughs> the old main farmer is down there in the underworld. <laughs> I mean, where else would they be? Not that different from Maine. Ah, yeah, in the underworld. Ah, here the underworld's haunted. <laughs> going- That's all I had. <laughs> You're back so soon. Moon's haunted. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, is that is that all of us? I believe uh- so. Unless we want to have a bonus one. <laughs> bonus for cat. Cat gets forced meme. I got no waterproofing in the future, which is hilarious because she needs water to turn into a girl. <laughs> and, and the bonus one I clicked on was Blazing Inferno Hellfire Sauce. <laughs> so we've got a range there. <laughs> uh, I think mine weirdly helps Al and his version because a lot of water is going to be going around and that can create hijinks. Hijinks ensue. Someone makes a water slide. And breaks the ship. Yep. Then this turns into a boat. You broke the ship. It you broke the bloody ship. Good times. All right. Money. Is that all of us? I believe so. Cool. Uh, Al, did you have something to add? Uh, nope. Cool. Eh, fantastic. Uh, so yeah, that was, uh, that was Princess Tutu, y'all. Yeah. It's a fun little time. If you don't feel like watching the entire series, I mean, it's 26 episodes, so a pretty big uh, time commitment. But, uh, if you don't feel like doing that, you can watch the AMV that we'll, uh, link in the show notes just because. We like you like yeah. that. It's a good AMV. I mean, I, I'm not going to stop up, uh, singing its praises. <laughs> Till the day you die. So, Al, can you uh, take us out? I sure can. As always, if you have an idea or prompt to submit, head on over to nostorysacred.com slash submission. Follow us on Twitter at nostorysacred or send an email through contact at nostorysacred.com. Your hosts have been Alex McDonald, Brendan McDonald, Pippin MacDonald, and Catherine Crichton. Editing for this episode done by Brendan. Transcript done by Ashley DaCosta. Art by Jay Wolf. Show notes and transcripts are available at nostorysacred.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. And please rate, review, and subscribe to No Story Sacred. You can also visit our Patreon page to support the show and get neat rewards at patreon.com slash nostorysacred. See you next time when we talk about the movie Constantine. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, dipping into the Keanu Reeves well. Oh, it's a great well. Oh, yeah. So, would be like a Keanu giving or thanks, Keanu? Keanu's giving. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Reeves giving? No. Huh? We'll, we'll workshop the, 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 the title. <laughs> I, I, feel, I feel like I don't want to limit my Keanu Reeves love to one time a year. <laughs> Fair. Until then, we're no story secret. 
and any story can be changed. I'm Alex. I'm Brendan. And I'm Pippin. And we're No Story is Sacred. Sacred.